Guys, I just gotta admit, this is really tough. We're trying to preach together, so we're sitting, and I feel like I am tethered to a tree on a six-inch chain, and I not cannot because you're handle preaching this. with me, because you're sitting down. Oh I my think gosh, you need to I need a rocking chair or something. I just feel like I got a rock. This is so difficult. I don't even know how to do it. Or we can but, do hard things. I believe okay. in us. Okay. Woo. Um. All right. We are focusing, as we have that uh, sign over there on that side wall there, his kingdom come, his will be done. And that is just kind of some, something overarching this year and that we want his kingdom, God's kingdom to come, and we want his will to be done. And uh, to do that, for that to really take place, it's going to take some radical living. Any of you used to use the word radical in the 80s. Something was rad. It kind of washed over, I believe, to the 90s. If you're still using it now, that's totally okay with you. I just want you to know that if you, that a lot of younger people aren't going to know what you're even talking about. But the idea is that it goes beyond just the normal, that there's something kind of crazy about it. There's something, um, uh, it's, it's bigger in it. It's, it's, uh, what words am I looking for? Radical. Mm-hmm. Okay. We'll just use the word itself. It's radical, but to live radically, it also takes a radical surrender. We're not going to see a major change, a radical change in ourselves unless we surrender in a radical way. Because he can only, Jesus can only come and put inside of us what we first let go of. The question isn't whether he wants to put something new inside of you and I, whether he wants to change our thinking, whether he wants to change our heart. The question is, are we willing to let go and surrender in those areas so that he can? Many times we're praying for breakthrough in an area but we're still, I'm not going to, holding my Bible would be the wrong thing. Um, but we're still holding on to it and we won't let go of it. But he wants to come and bring freedom in that area. But to do that, we have to let go of it to allow him to come. So if we really want his kingdom to come and his will to be done, we have to live radically. Which means we have to be willing to make a radical surrender. Some of these ways where I believe God has called us as Christians, but specifically us as City Harvest to live radically is loving and forgiving one another. If you're like me, that doesn't come easy. Anybody? It can be difficult. And it really does take the power of God. Fasting. Anybody here love to fast? Fasting is difficult. It's radical. It doesn't make sense. We want to, tomorrow and I are going to be doing our best to practice fasting from after dinner on Mondays up until dinner on Tuesday as we kind of go through breakthrough prayer. I invite you to join us whenever you can as we pray and contending for certain things in the church and, and, and asking God to release other elements in the church that we live radically, that we don't just talk about stuff. And we know it has to start with us, that we have to be willing to to make these sacrifices ourselves, but want to invite you to join in that. Practicing Sabbath. Now, we can get super legalistic on it, but 
at the end of the day, the idea is that we find rest and delight in God. Does it mean you can't mow your lawn? Does it mean you can't wash a dish? Does it mean you can't change the toilet paper out if you run out? Uh, No, it's not about that. It's about, are you finding rest in God? And are you delighting in God? And uh, we've been trying to practice that over the last year, and it's not easy. Um, I get just as much as I have a hard time sitting in a chair still, I get really stir crazy at home and I want to start doing certain things. And all of a sudden I start thinking through every single uh, uh, thing I need to accomplish or, or do. Um, but just learning how to rest. We're kind of trying to do that on Friday nights through Saturday nights. And I invite you to find a way. Does that mean you can't go to your kid's sporting event? No, it doesn't mean that. Does that mean you can't grocery shop? No, we're not saying that. What we're saying is let's carve out a time where we choose to not let anxiety. We don't let a task list. We don't let pressures. We don't let obligations. We don't let those things run our life for that day. But we allow rest and delighting in Jesus to lead us. That's radical. It doesn't make sense. Tithing doesn't make sense. Why in the world, especially if I'm struggling in my finances or I could use a little more money, why would I give away more money? Anybody with me on that? Can we agree? These things don't make sense but it's radical and it's God's kingdom and it's the way he works. I shared last week on what it takes to thrive here at City Harvest and there are things you can go to most churches and hopefully you'll find a lot of similar things like they believe in the Bible and they offer their voices and and bodies um, to God in worship and they pray for one another and there's community. But there are some very unique things to City Harvest as far as what it takes to thrive here. And I gave some examples last week of, you know, there might be another church where you could go. And as long as you are a super servant, you will thrive there. And no one will ever ask about, like, how's your soul? How's your marriage? How's your parenting? Um, So there's, there's things that are unique to thriving here. And I talked about surrendering everything trusting God with everything. We talked about being authentic and vulnerable and how that requires risk. And then we talked about ownership and what that looks like here. The last thing I left off, so if you've become a member in the last few years, you know what the last one is, um, radically loving one another. And in our our vision and our purposes of being with God, all thanks for moving, Rick. (laughs) Being with God, walking with Jesus, loving others, the way we describe that is loving others radically and wholeheartedly the way the Father has loved you. We're supposed to just overflow with the love that Jesus has already shown us and that God fills us up with. So like Pete was saying, if we want to see God's kingdom come and his will be done, is that supernatural signs and wonders and miraculous healings and people being filled with his spirit and revival in the old sense of the term, like people are just like walking through these doors, I just sense the presence of God, I just needed to be here? Yes. But we also know that we want, if that happens, we want to be able to steward that and sustain it. 
And there's a lot of times God will bring a move of God. He'll bring his presence in a supernatural way and people can't carry it out. They can't steward it because they're not remaining in the love of Christ and they're not allowing the love of Christ to transform them. So we have to begin living out his will for us as followers of Jesus. And that's pretty simple, but pretty hard. (laughs) Jesus said, love each other the way that I have loved you. Love each other the way that I've loved you. And oftentimes we do what Jesus talked about in the parable of the servant that was forgiven a huge debt, a massive debt, like being in debt where it's a year's worth of wages. And then we go around and we'll go and extract and try to get a debt that is owed to us for a very small amount from someone else. So we are believing for supernatural signs and wonders and healings this year for people to be walking or driving by and say, I just needed to come into this building. I don't know why. But at the base, the foundation of all of that is that we believe loving each other the way the Father has loved us is just as radical as all of that. That's our premise. Will you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 13? Give you a little time if you need to even start at the front at the index, table of contents. Which one's at the front? Table of contents. Thank you. If you need to go there um, to find it, John chapter 13, and we're going to be looking at verses 33 through 35. Now, this is the area of scripture um, where Jesus is having what we know as the Last Supper with his disciples. Why is it the Last Supper? Because after this, he basically gets crucified. So technically, it was his last dinner with his disciples. So it's called the Last Supper. But this meal was also the Passover meal, which is what the Israelites had been doing since they were about to leave Egypt and go through the exodus of of leaving Egypt and where God was leading them to their promised land. We spent a lot of time kind of going over that here at the end of last year, just looking at um, the journey of becoming gods, of him taking us from bondage to freedom. That's exactly what they were doing. And the Passover meal was a meal that God gave them in something almost like communion that they did to remember what God had done for them. So they have now gathered to have this meal together and Jesus knows he's about to die He's hinted at it with them other times um, while walking around and talking with them. They typically either, it just went straight over their head and they didn't realize what he was saying or they argued it because what were they looking for? They were looking for a king to come and free them from their problems. They weren't thinking that the kingdom was gonna come and change them from the inside out. Each one of us has problems inside of us, which is us. And we have problems outside of us, which is others. Just like, we are just like them back then. What they were looking for was a king to come and take care of, out, of all the outside problems. We all have, where, man, it'd be awesome for God just to come and just take care of all of our outside problems. But that's not why he came. He came to change you and I from the inside. He's more concerned with my attitude than he is with your attitude about me, he's more concerned with my attitude about you. So he's sitting down with him and he's having this last meal. He knows what's about to take place. 
Now, I've often thought if I um, knew I was about to die and Tamar said, well, you need to do this anyways, because what if you die and you, God didn't give you the heads up, you were about to die. I think he's going to tell me because that's just the kind of relationship he and I have, but maybe not. I don't know. But I would, I would, I would want to, one, bring my kids together. And I would, if I didn't have that opportunity, I would want to record a video. And I'd be saying, and I have a list of things, we've talked about it before, where I have my whole funeral laid out. Who's going to talk? What songs are going to be there? It is completely planned. The point that I want said at my service is that it's not about us. It's about God. And I would want to also say, we just need to love one another. And I would tell my kids, you're not designed to agree on everything. You're not going to like each other all the time. You're going to drive each other crazy. You're going to disagree with each other's decision-making. But at the end of the day, if you want to make me happy, love God and love each other. Despite the disagreements, despite the hardships, love God and love one another. And I believe that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. So in John chapter 13, verse 33 through 35, says, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, which was the religious leaders of the time, so I tell you now where I'm going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. They've been walking with him. He's been serving them, and he's been showing them love. He called them out of their places where they didn't have high status or they weren't the most amazing group of people. He called them out, and he says, as I have loved you. Say, as he has loved me. So we must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It is by our love for one another. And it starts right here, right now in this room. Our love for one another, the way we talk about one another, the way we care for one another, the patience we have for one another, the gossip we have for one another, the judgment we have for one another, the unforgiveness we have for one another. Whatever it is that we're carrying is gonna is the thing more than anything else that shares whether or not we truly believe in the good news. I believe the most important thing for you and I is that we put our trust in Jesus Christ. There's nothing more important than that in our life. The biggest decision, the most important decision you make, whether today or moving forward, is that you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. To me, number two, is that we learn how to love one another. You can pray in tongues. You can have an amazing, you can know a whole bunch of scripture. You could quote half the Bible. You could have all these degrees. You could be where you've given up millions of dollars to serve the poor. You could do all those things. But if you don't know how to love the other people in this room, you're not displaying that God has changed anything inside of you. 
You've given on the exterior, but you actually haven't surrendered on the interior. And I believe this is the most important message for us to get is to learn how to love one another. Okay, I have two, I need two people. I need a middle schooler and an elementary kid to each read a verse, but I'm going to tell you what they are now so you can turn there. Middle schooler, anybody want to read? I see what, I see, okay. Claire, is that you? <laughs> okay, um, look up John 15, 9 through 13, okay? And then elementary kid, this is just uh, one, two, two verses. Anybody, elementary kid? Okay, Bella. Matthew 6, 14 through 15, okay? So here's the thing, is you will only thrive here, and remember last week, thriving was growing luxuriantly and flourishing and your roots going deep and getting strengthened as you love others the way the Father has loved you. Now, what that requires is that you have a revelation of God's love for you. I was sitting here in worship this morning, or standing, I guess, um, preparing for this message. It's easy to jump to the love one another part because that's what we're talking about, but we can't love others the way we're supposed to unless we are radically changed and transformed by the love of God first. Not just one time. Not just that one time when we say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. Not that one other time when we messed up really, really big and we knew we needed to be forgiven. But again and again and again and again, we have to be drenched in his love. We have to just be like soaked in his love, like a sponge where like if somebody pushes on it, love just comes out because it's what's in us. So that when people interact with us, they're not even realizing maybe that they're interacting with us as an individual, as a human being. They're going, I'm interacting with something different. And even if they can't put their finger on it, they can't quite tell what it is, they know there's something radical and supernatural about your response to them. So a lot of times in, in, in relationships, in communities, how we respond to each other when someone triggers us, pushes our buttons, sticks a finger in our wound that isn't healed yet, that is an opportunity for the love that we have already received from God to come out. It's an opportunity for God to heal that wound <laughs> some more. We can get some more healing. So... First, we have to be able to accept God's love for us. And I was just praying like, Lord, give us a fresh revelation of your love for us today. We can't be Christians. We can be moral, maybe. We can uh, white knuckle our way and, and, and make ourselves do good things. And we can set goals and reach goals without God. But we cannot love supernaturally without his love already being in us and flowing out of us. So you have to be able to accept God's radical love for you. So have you experienced that? Have you experienced, as that song says, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God? And we've said it before, God's love is not reckless. It is very intentional, but it sure seems reckless when you are the recipient of God's love, 
when you know what you've done, when other people know what you've done, it sure seems reckless that he keeps pursuing us. It sure seems reckless that he's like, even though you're not faithful to me, I'm still faithful to you. That is the kind of God that we serve. He pursues us all the time. We distract, we get distracted, we, we say intentionally, I don't want to pay attention to you right now. I don't want to do that thing. And he still pursues us with his love. So you have to accept God's radical love for you. And then you've got to lavishly, lavishly offer God's love to others. You have to. It's, it's not an option here to hold back your love. It's not an option here to say, well, I don't think that person is deserving of my love. Or I don't think that person is deserving of God's love. That's a scary place to be. So accepting God's radical love for us and lavishly, freely offering it, pouring it on, heaping it on others. Okay, Claire, are you ready? Yes, you're always ready. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as, wait, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remained in his love. I have told you, you this so that you, so that you may joy, okay, sorry, um, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may, may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no, has no one than this, that he laid down his life for, for his friends. Good job. Thank you, Claire. There's a lot we could extract from that. It's essentially what Jesus was saying later on that, you know, what Pete was saying that he told his disciples at the Last Supper. But he said, remain in my love. Remain in my love. Don't get out of my love. It's kind of like, don't get out of my will. And as you remain in my love, you'll be able to obey my commandments. It's a lot easier to do what God is asking us to do when we remain in the love that he has for us when we're not stepping outside of his love and doing it in our own strength. Now, one of the things he commanded, and there's no suggestion about it, over and over again, he said this. So, Bella, will you read Matthew 6, 14 through 15? For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't, if, or if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Thank you, Bella. That's pretty harsh, don't you think? Doesn't that sound really harsh? It's not a suggestion. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. Woo! yay but if you do not forgive others their sins your father will not forgive your sins does that seem scary to anybody else that seems really scary so when is when have you needed forgiveness think about your own life when have you needed forgiveness when have you needed to be loved well 
Maybe you were loved well, maybe you were forgiven, maybe you weren't. But when is a time in your life that you've needed the love and forgiveness of God, you've needed the love and the forgiveness of others? When was a time when your ugly came out and came to the surface and made a big mess? As you're thinking about yourself, (laughs) we're thinking about ourselves right now, not others, guys. Just remember that as we live and move and enjoy each other's company and community here, that we are all in process. We are all a work in process. We're a masterpiece in process. You are and so are the other people that bother you. You are and so are the other people that hurt you. Now, that is believing the best intentions. We're believing that people are moving towards God. They're moving towards healing. They're moving towards his love and trying to remain in his love. But you have to know that you're going to feel dis... I'm not going to ask who's felt disconnected or frustrated, but that would be all of us. Um, But you have to know that you will feel disconnected here. You will feel frustrated here. You will have someone else hurt you maybe once, maybe again and again. But we have to remember that this is the community. If you believe that God put you here and placed you here and planted you here, that it's not that wounding is okay, but it's that wounding is an opportunity for God to heal us and for us to offer forgiveness and love to others, the same love that he's shown us. All right, we are gonna do a little participation. Okay, so what you're going to do, why doesn't everyone stand to their feet? I know, you're freaked. But hey, you have to love me, okay? Right now, you're like, oh gosh, I knew I should have stayed home prepping for the Super Bowl. (laughs) Here's what we're going to do, is you're going to find somebody. We're going to take 90 seconds, 45 seconds per person. You're going to find somebody that you may be around you, and you're going to introduce, you're going to say your name. So 45 seconds is you saying your name, and you're going to answer this first question, which is, do you have a harder time accepting God's love for you or God's love for others or both? So it would look like this. Hi, Peter. Hi. You don't know we my don't, name yet. Oh, sorry. Shouldn't be. Maybe, Hi, I don't, maybe I don't want to be touched. Fine. You don't want to be touched. Fist bump. Okay. Um, I would say... It would be, uh, I have a harder time accepting God's love for me. Mm, Ditto. But I don't know your name. Oh, I'm Tamar. Okay, thank you. Yeah. So it should be easier than that. It really shouldn't be that hard as we just made it. So uh, real quick, you got 45 seconds. Turn, don't just go to maybe the person right next to you. Also make sure that no one is left untalked to. So real quick, 90 seconds, introduce yourself and answer the question. If you haven't already, you should be switching and now introducing the other person should be answering the question. Okay. Question number two. Question number two is going to happen with a different person. Okay. You guys ready? Ready? Give me a thumbs up. Yeah, Aaron, I like that. If you're ready for question number two, let's thumbs up. Wow, I've got a whole section back there. No thumbs, not ready. Okay, guys, we're on to question number two. 
You're gonna do this real quick with someone else, not the person that you did. This, maybe, that was a huge step of vulnerability and risk for you to share that, okay? We're gonna go deeper. <laughs> ah, I got hair in my mouth, sorry. Um, and it might take a second, okay? It's okay if this one takes a few seconds longer. What is one lie that you are tempted to believe about yourself or others in relationships, okay? Um, something that I didn't even know was there a few years ago and God showed me was that, and I, I would have never verbalized this, but God said, um, like he highlighted this so that I could get healed of it because sometimes we don't know the things are there. We don't know the lies we're tempted to believe always. He said, um, I, wanna, I wanna deal with this little thing. I wanna heal this thing that you think you're hard to like and hard to love. And I was like, ooh, that's ugly. I could have listed a lot of other things I'm tempted to believe about others in relationships, like they're not trustworthy. <laughs> that would have been an easy one. So you go as deep and as vulnerable or as shallow as you need to, but what is a lie that you're tempted to believe in relationship with others? Pete, do you wanna be vulnerable and share yours or? Sure. Uh... <laughs> She asked me this question this morning, so I'm just going to say what I said um, when she first asked me this morning when we were getting ready. Uh, mine, and she kind of asked it a little different as far as that then in, because of this lie, it influences the way that maybe I would treat others, especially those of you that call City Harvest your home. But is that um, we as a church won't realize how important this is and therefore we won't see God's kingdom come. And then because of that, it can cause me to treat you with contempt or treat you with judgment. There's your pastors, guys. <laughs> so anyway, we give you permission to be completely vulnerable with each other. What's a lie that you're tempted to believe in relationship about God, about yourself, about others? Go ahead. Let's uh, take our seats. I think you're on to talking about what you think the score is going to be. No bet taking. Take your seats. But don't worry, there's still one more question to come. And these were just warm ups. Tamar. I know a lie that's easy for a lot of people to believe, no matter what your community is. It could be a church community, it could be a friend group, it could be your family, friends, coworkers. And it's easy to believe that there are insiders and that there's outsiders, right? There's cool people and then there's the fringe people. Um, in the kingdom of God, there are no cool people and fringe people. In the kingdom of God, there aren't insiders. Like, well, if you're on staff at, you know, and you, you get paid by the people in the church, then you're an insider. But if you just, you know, are on the prayer team and attend on Sundays, you're an outsider. That's not how the kingdom of God works. We all get to be insiders. We all get to experience the same love of God. There's not like special reserves that God has for certain kinds of people. And then just like kind of sprinkles his love on the other people because they're on the outside. 
So Colossians, if you'll turn in your Bibles, Colossians 3, 12 through 14, we're going to remind ourselves of who we are, and because of who we are, there's a certain way that God expects us to act. So when we talk about his kingdom come and his will be done, we're just going to keep saying it again and again. His will for our lives is that we act like him. His will is that we actually take on the mind of Christ, that we totally embody the love of Christ, and that we live fully embodied. We live fully immersed in the love of Christ, and we act like him. We bear his image, and, and we act like him with each other. And we act like, we're not even talking about enemies yet. We're just talking about loving each other. We're going to work our way up to loving our enemies. But that is something Jesus commanded us to do too. So Colossians 3, 12. There's a lot of good stuff before that. Go back and read that after the game tonight. Um, It sets the stage for it. Therefore, though, as God's chosen people, okay, we're his chosen people. We are holy. We are set apart and we are dearly beloved. Clothe yourselves. When you get dressed every day, you have to put something on. Put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And if you're like, that's too hard, you're right. We actually need the full power of the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. So we need to be filled with the Spirit to be able to do that. Bear with each other. And forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of those virtues, which seem really hard, all of those virtues are hard, but put on love. Put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So the love of Jesus is what binds us all together in perfect unity, but we have to choose to put it on. Just like the verse that Claire read, remain in my love. Keep putting on my love. So what are the things that cause you to take love off? Is it when somebody ignores you or snubs you? You would think that some of the things that we deal with as as pastors are really deep and intense and the hard stuff in people's lives, and that is true. But you also start to notice patterns. Do you know how often the enemy will use you looking at somebody as you're walking by them at church and they don't make eye contact with you and you think they have intentionally snubbed you and ignored you? And the enemy just loves to latch onto that and be like, they didn't even say hi, they didn't even see you. Does your love come off? for that person and do you assign an intention and a motive a negative one what does your love come off when people are just annoying (laughs) the people that you're just kind of like I just you're not my favorite I'm not a fan of you but you know I mean I don't hate you does your love come off when someone is annoying does your love come off when things get a little deeper does your love come off when someone insults you or betrays you hurts you deeply in friendship. Maybe you're like, I'm one of those people, I'm good, I can forgive freely. Maybe your love comes off when someone does that to someone that you love. 
maybe that's where you get furious and you choose to take up an offense and you forget to keep your love on. So how are you known? What's your reputation? This is about reputation in a way. And we're supposed to offer our reputations up to God and lay them down at, at the feet of Jesus and say, you get my reputation. I'm cool looking like a crazy person for you, for your sake, for your glory. I'm okay, actually, with someone spreading a rumor about me. I'm not really okay with it, but I actually can be at peace and not feel the need to go and tell everyone the real story. I can do that. So how are we known though? What, th what this whole thing is, we will be known by our love, by our love for each other. So are you known for reacting out of your wounds or responding from love, from that saturated love? How are you known? And I said it last week, and we'll just keep saying this, ask people closest to you. We don't need to be the ones to tell you. Ask the people that you're in close relationship with. How do you experience me? Do you experience me as a highly wounded person, easily triggered? Or maybe I'm a white knucklet kind of person and I can take it and take it and take it and then finally I just snap. But do you experience the love of God coming out of me when I'm snubbed, ignored, insulted, betrayed, Let's ask, let's create a culture where we ask each other those things and hopefully the person you're asking loves you and they respond in truth but love as well and that we can start being more aware of how others experience us. Here's the other thing. You can't thrive here if you're not willing to receive love from others. Most of us would say, well, I want to receive love from others. What we really want is people to do what we want them to do a lot of times, but real love Real love is like, I see you're ugly, and I see how your ugly is hurting you, and I see how your ugly is making other people not want to be around you. Can I tell you that I see you're ugly? I love you, but can we talk about this thing? That's real love. And you have to be willing to, that's the love that Jesus gives you. Oh, I see all your stuff, and I love you so much. Get over here, I just wanna hug you. Like, that's the kind of love God gives us. Let's give each other that kind of love. Here's the thing, I always, I always say here's the thing, but this is it, this is really the thing, guys. Um, we cannot be the people that God has called us to be if we're half-hearted in our love towards one another. We can't be the people God's called us to be if we're selective. If like you're an insider and you're an outsider, we can't be the people God's called us to be. We can't be the people God's called us to be if we choose to allow pride to be the thing that we put on every day or insecurity to be the thing that we put on every day. And we are choosing sometimes to put those things on instead of choosing to put on his love. Our love for one another is our reputation. It is our testimony to this world. And what does that say to the world? That God is real, God is good, and God is love. Is that our reputation to the world? I say it a lot of times in the thriving class. This is a good place. This is a good place to um, mess up. This is a good place to be forgiven. This is a good place to heal. This is a good place to fail. It's a good place to question. It's a good place to learn how to grow. It's a good place to learn how to receive the love of God for yourself and receive love from others. 
It's a good place to experience rupture and difficulty in relationship and then learn how to repair it in a redemptive, God-honoring way. Will you let the love of the Father transform you while you're here? You might only be here for today. Maybe you're, you're like, whoa, this is an intense place. Um, you could be here for 25, the next 25 years. Okay, you're around for like whenever the next transition services. It doesn't matter. Will you let the love of God transform you in community here with people that are not just your buddies that you do life with, but people that rub you the wrong way, and people that have different views than you and vote differently and actually value some different things and have different giftings, will you allow the love of God to transform you while you're here? Praise team, you guys can uh, come up. Um, As we're saying, if we want to see his kingdom come and his will be done, we have to learn how to live radically. And living radically means that there is a great surrender taking place in our life. Each one of us in this room can think of ways we've been wronged by others in this room. Each one of us can think of the way, like Tamar said, someone, sometimes it's as little as someone walking by and just not making eye contact. Sometimes it's you reached out to someone and they never got back to you. Sometimes it's you feel like someone did something to maybe one of your family members. But how often do we just jump right on that instead of surrendering it and saying, Lord, I got to give this to you. In spite of that, help me to see them as you see them. We were praying this morning about the kingdom coming. Really, to do that, we got to get off of our little stools that we think are our, our, our thrones. We got to take off our little tinfoil crowns. We got to remember that it's not our job to go around representing our kingdom and telling each other what each other have done and fighting our battles to fight the battle of defending ourselves and righting the wrongs. It's our job to represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're called to be his ambassador. And you and I can't be that ambassador if we're wearing our crown and sitting on our stool, talking about our problems and our rights and what we think has taken place. Man, I believe with all my heart, there is something so powerful God wants to do in us as a church family, in us and through us to this city. Forget the politics of it. God loves the people. We shared it. This is our Nineveh. We can have our preconceived notions as Jonah did and why he didn't want God to come and touch the Ninevites. Or we can humbly come and say, God, as Isaiah did, here I am, send me. Send me into the city. Send me into my workplace. Send me into my school. Send me into my neighborhood. But not just with a whole bunch of scriptures in my head. God, let me have a soft heart. Let me portray your heart. And God, let it start where it's the most difficult. And that's with the people that are closest to me. That's with the people that I interact with the most. Will you stand to your feet? Because I just need to stand. So I need you guys to participate. Dear God, it's hard to sit and talk. We're going to sing 
the song Good Grace, but it talks about coming together. It talks about us receiving God's love. It talks about us being on mission in that way. So will you sing this song? But as you do, let's not just let the words come in our eyes and process in our mind and come off of our tongue. But let's let it, as it comes in our brain, before it actually comes off, let's process it in our spirit and in our heart. And, and not just say, that's a neat idea. I could get behind that. That's a great vision. No, but to say, Lord, let it start inside of me. God, let your love come and invade me so much that it's what overflows. Holy Spirit, come convict me next time I start to try to defend my own position. Next time I start to talk about someone and I think, oh, I'm just, I'm just covering Jacob, so tomorrow and I are going to talk about him. No, that's gossip. It's slander. Let's speak life. Let's stop. Next time you want to talk about someone, pray for them. Ask God to give you his heart for them because he sees something amazing in them that he wants to pull out. Let's sing this song.